Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks in the world who are on a mission to obtain freedom. What is freedom? We're about to find out. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited entrepreneur who has been chasing freedom her entire life. Beside me is my co-host, Jackie Asel, the anchor who keeps me grounded. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. Today... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop and back up there. This is not our normal podcast because this time it's Jackie, the right-hand man, that's going to be interviewing Tracy. What? Yay! little mix-up. That was one of those... Um, what are those things called? Those scratching, scratching things like as a jockey? No, jockey, disc jockey. That's as from a DJ. Yeah, DJ. Yeah. That's yeah. the word I was looking okay. for. All right. So I thought it would be very interesting for all of our listeners to get to know Tracy. She does all the interviewing. <laughs> I'm already bored. <laughs> she does all the interviewing, and none of you guys have gotten to hear how she got where she's at. Exciting. So Tracy. You have gone through different, various careers in your life. That One or two. Up to this point and talking about maybe changing careers again and going in different directions. So tell me, let's start, let's, let's go back. <sighs> so scary. Where are we going? Where do you want to go? Let's go back to what made you become such an adventurous person. Adventurous person. Um, are we talking indoor, outdoor, or just in general? Are we just... Let's go in general. Let's, just in let's general. go back to what really brought your heart to adventure. Yeah, I would say that is definitely my childhood. Uh, most of you know that I grew up in the country, in Elk Park, Siberia, as they say, out in the middle of, you know, kind of nowhere, 15 miles BFT. out of town. Yeah. <laughs> But fuck Egypt, is that what that stands for? Sure does. <laughs> yeah, the North 40 Elk Park. So yeah, I was born and raised in the country. Um, I consider myself a total, uh, what do you call those, latchkey kids, but yeah, um, yeah. not really a latchkey, so we didn't have locks on our doors, much less have keys for our doors. Um, so yeah, just just uh, was, I would say, raised a little bit unorthodox, where I had grandparents that lived next door on the ranch that kind of kept an eye on us and... Uh, parents that were working quite a bit. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of tight supervision. I was able to just do as I, kind of as I pleased. And then there was always an adult around in case I, you know, stepped on a nail through my foot that happened or, uh, you know, fell off a horse or, you know, whatever. If an emergency happened, there was, yeah, I was three to five miles away from somebody that could help. <laughs> just a short distance. Short distance. Yeah. You know, send somebody to go grab some help, whatever. And you um, just kind of figured out it on your own too, yeah. right? I mean, you yeah. never really used the adults. No, not really. I mean, kind of. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I was, I, I was definitely privileged to be able to use my imagination vividly daily, um, and just be constantly creating new things in my mind for entertainment, for, um, progress in life, for, you know, getting by on homework, just all those things. And that, that may sound negative because I, I, I would say that I kind of raised myself to a degree, but it wasn't because it allowed me to be extremely experimental, independent, and just uh, self-sufficient and capable. So do you think that's really your foundation of who you are now, being able to have been so independent and by yourself so much? Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Cause I, I mean, just courageous. I was never afraid to try new things cause I never had parents that were there to say, Oh, don't do that. You're going to get hurt because <laughs> they didn't really know what, you what I was up to. Yeah. And, and it's not, but they were also there to support me. Like my, my mom never missed to the best of my knowledge. If, maybe, maybe she did, but I don't remember my mom ever missing a little league game, a basketball game, a volleyball game. She was always there as this very silent presence. And I mean, mm-hmm. she'd always just had a small smile on her face. She was never screaming and yelling and cheering and supporting. She was just this very quiet presence, always, you know, saying, you got this. Like your little guardian angel. Yeah. There I mean, you. yeah, she's, I'm like, I, I mean, I remember coming home and being like, mom, I'm going to cut my hair today. She's like, sounds great. Well, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to cut it into a spike and I'm going to get these steps and I'm going to have this wicked mullet in the back. And she's like, Okay, well, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll make an appointment. I think most parents would have been like, the fuck you are. Like, right. <laughs> no, you're not doing that. I'm like, yeah, I think I think that's what I'm going to do. So like, and then I remember being like, I want to run the Iditarod. I want to be a dog sled racer. Because, you know, I'd watched these awesome movies and I had these, you know, my imagination was just as big as the sky. Like, this is what I want to do. And my mom was like, okay, yeah, you know, that sounds great. And she set up for her and my dad both set up for me to go watch uh, the race to the sky dog sled race. I mean, it was just, that's something that's recent in my memory because we had just talked about that with another guest. Um, But those are little things. Like if I had this idea that was never like, that's stupid, that's scary, that's not a good idea. I mean, I never had the obstacles. always supported you in anything that you wanted to try or thought of. Always. Never took you down and said, no, I don't think that's ever going to work. Financial, uh, the finances were always an issue, you know, but I was, I think, a kind enough child to be able to hopefully, I, like, I, I didn't ask for things I knew that were beyond my parents' means, because I would mm-hmm. always feel guilty that I knew they couldn't afford something. So yeah, like, if I was to be like, I want to go travel abroad at nine years old, of course, I would never <laughs> ask that, you know what I'm saying? You would have just went on your own anyway, well, and figured it out. figured it out. But yeah, no, I mean, they just, they never shot down dreams, ideas, or thoughts. And I think that at a very young age, I mean, we're talking like four and five years old, it cultivated this ability to just really dream big and to be courageous and courageous, courageous. Courageous. And uh, yeah, just not minimize. And I, I just, I didn't have any limited beliefs as a child. So I think that's great because it's probably allowed you to not be afraid to take as we'll speak about here pretty soon, all these different steps that you've actually taken in your life and not been afraid, at least on the outside, to show everything you've done. Yeah. So. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Childhood. (laughs) uh, Going through school. You graduate from high school. Then where are you? Yeah, so I I moved out when I was 15 years old. Um, uh, Finishing school was never, like, a not a a thought for me. I always wanted to go to college, and I think that was just because nobody in my family had ever gone to college. Like, nobody – kids, I I had an uncle, I take that back, I had an uncle that had gone to college, Um, he was a teacher, but outside of that, I don't really remember anybody that had gone to college at that time, so it was like kind of a a big goal. Um, Graduated school, did did really well in school, only because it was was just kind of the expected of my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, moved out, started working at, like, I don't know, shit, I think I was 13 when I started working, 
doing any jobs that I could possibly get. And my, my first wow. real job was at Arby's. I worked there under an amazing human being who is still a very good friend of mine, uh, Jodell LaProuse. And I was, I was actually promoted to like whatever shift manager in high school. Like I team always lead team lead. No, it was, I think shift manager. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, got the wrong <laughs> word there. It's a big deal in Arby's world. But anyway, no, I was, I just have always had this incredible drive to try to do better, improve, um, you know, promote whatever it may be. But I also was raised by parents who worked I- as employees. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. There was never a million, never in a million years would I have dreamt to be like a business owner because I didn't even know what that looked like. I only had parents that only rich people were business owners, right? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, rich people and smart people. I never saw myself as smart. I never saw myself as somebody that could do those things. I just had parents that were like, get a very good job. And to me, good jobs are college educated people. So I set my sights on doing something that was educated, that would make a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I went to school. Um, I ended up actually getting pregnant, right? I bad, bad, uh, choices right out of school, probably a little bit of lack of guidance maybe. And a lot of that would also just be my very rebellious. I'm going to do what I want attitude in life. (laughs) Um, so I ended up getting pregnant right out of, of high school, Um, and then I ended up getting married to the father of my oldest two kids. And, um, yeah, so I went from big dreams of going to school and doing something with myself to raising babies. So, um, yeah, I got, I got, I had my first child at 19, my second at almost 21, uh, was married in between there, divorced for my first time at 21 and, looking poverty right smack in the eyes. So it was very tough years from after high school because I made the conscious choice to raise kids. And it's not cheap. It's not easy, especially when you've got nothing but a high school degree and you're kind of on your own. (laughs) And were you, what were, what were you doing at that point in your life? I mean, yeah, well, when you've got kiddos, you do what your parents say and you go and get a job that has benefits. So my parents were state employees that always had great benefits. That's why they worked as a state employee because, you know, they, they had options for overtime. If times got tough, they had benefits, they had retirement, et cetera. So I'm like, well, that's what I got to do. Um, so I actually applied at the same place that my parents worked, which was at a Montana developmental center in Boulder, Montana, which was taking care of developmentally disabled people. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me all of about nine months to realize that that's not what I ever wanted to be. I never wanted to, I mean, I, m- what my parents did is very humbling and admirable very, work. Yeah. I do not have a caregiver bone in my body. And I'm, I, I can admit that now. No, you do not. <laughs> just like, it's not, it's not built into me. I, I just, I have this very high drive. I, I have a very hard time um, expressing just, yep. It's not, it's not me. It is not you it's, at all. And that's okay. Cause the world is full of people like you that are amazing at it. You hire to your weakness. <laughs> that's right? it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> so it, it was not a fulfilling job for me. It was very intimidating and scary. I was quite frankly afraid of the, the people that I worked with. Um, so I applied instead to work at the men's prison in Deer Lodge. Well, let's see. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And that, you know, that actually happened because one of the other, when I I saw it in the newspaper and I saw that it was like, I don't know, it was like four or five bucks an hour more. And I've got this brand new baby at home and I'm like, I've got to do more with my life. So I saw this ad and I remember talking to one of my coworkers at, you know, at the Montana Developmental Center and I told him what I was going to do. And he goes, "Uh, you can't, you know, you have to pass a physical to even work there. 
like, huh, challenge accepted. You know, I'm whatever, <laughs> four months postpartum or whatever. I'm fat and flabby and haven't worked out, <laughs> I don't know, since I was probably 13. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I didn't work out probably since I was a freshman in high school. But I'm like, oh, yeah, challenge accepted. So I actually did it more so to prove to him that I could. Uh, yeah, so you, you went out and you ran a mile and a half. You did however many push-ups and sit-ups in a minute. No big deal. Passed it. Then they offered me the job. And I'm like, well, shit. Here we go. Here we go. And it was the best decision that I ever made. It was, that was the most fulfilling job. I loved, loved working for the Department of Corrections. It was, and I had a very successful, very amazing uh, career that I, I, I still say that that's what brought me to the point where I'm at now. All of the different people that I met, the skills, the training, the things that I learned, like real life soft skills that I learned working in the prison um, has taken me up to today. For sure. How, how long were you in the prison system? So I worked how there. How long were you incarcerated? <laughs> yeah, I paroled out. I think I paroled out in 2013, finally. So from 2003 to 2013. So I did so 10, 10 years, years in various capacities. Um, I started out, I did regular corrections, just working you know, on the blocks with the inmates. Um, and then I went to a specialized position doing intake and admissions. And I loved that. You, you did like DNA collection and tattoo analysis and fingerprints. And you got to kind of read all their case files. And, you know, oh, wow. I, oh so much fun. I just, I loved it. Um, from there, I was promoted into a case manager position. And that was also very fun. I also started college at this time. Right around that time, I started doing an online school, which at that time, you had to be either 23 years old at most schools, or you had to go to the very few online schools that would allow you to um, actually attend school being under 23 years old and not physically. Because, you know, because online was, it was new at the time. So you were working full-time? Working full-time. I had one kid pregnant with the second one. I was waddling around, and I got mood at constantly in the prison. They would be like, (laughs) and they'd like fucking honk-honk at me and make cow sounds and pig sounds and stuff because I was, you know, really round and pregnant. So kind. Yeah, it's fine. So, yeah, I was pregnant, and then sometime, probably two years into working at the prison, I had um, Abby, my second child. So, yeah, two kids at home working full-time, plus all the overtime I could get my hands on, and then I started college as well. Wow. Um, and I did it online. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, but it was very fulfilling, and I was working. At that time, I wanted to go into something with criminal justice. Uh, probably, I mean, I was actually looking to be a sex offender counselor. I thought it would be fascinating because I'd learned so much about it um, with the inmates in the prison. Um, so anyway, so that's what I was kind of working towards and did this online school through University of Great Falls, and it was atrocious. I had over $100,000 in student debt by the time I finished. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I did a full ma- a full bachelor's, and then I'm one semester short of a master's degree um, towards have, counseling. Have you thought about ever finishing that? I did, yeah. I've thought a little bit about it. Um, I actually have a cousin who's a counselor who's an amazing counselor, and I was like, yeah, I could go back and do something like that maybe and finish it and shift gears and then we go back to that caregiver thing <laughs> well that's true you're not a caregiver <laughs> you're like, not good with emotions either. yeah Just so oh you know my god sitting there oh that's like if someone's upset or something at the office tracy does her bestest that she can to to give them what they need and she's just like 
I, I squirm. <laughs> it's just, I'm not good with emotions. I'm just. But you're so good with so many other things. So, yeah. I mean, and we all fine. have what we're good at. So, yeah. And you hire to your weakness, which is That's Mama right. Jackie. I have yeah. you that really gives the good hugs, which is, by the way, I have you know that I've been working on the hugs and I've been asking family members and things to like rate my, my to hugs. Rate your hugs. And I'm failing miserably. Everybody keeps. <laughs> I'm like, and, and, and like you, I actually do like affirmations to myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in for this hug. And I say, I, I say to the, like to myself or the universe, please allow for this person to feel all of the love that I have for them in this embrace. And I squeeze and then they're like, Ugh. no, there's nothing there. I'm like, so God, it's I so think much it's just, there. You got to get the rigidness out. That's what they keep saying. I'm yeah. too stiff and rigid. Yeah. Cause you're like, Ugh. will you coach me on hugging? I'll give you a good coach. I think it's, hugs. I think it's the boobs. That's Maybe it is. I do not have, but then again, here's another fun fact. I have, I've uh, put on about five pounds since I've been kind of cutting back on working out. And I think I'm actually growing boobs too. So I think that's going to help with my <laughs> hugging ability. <laughs> Random thoughts. You know what? I don't care. It's our show. We can talk about what we want. And it's real talk. That's real, this is talk. real talk. Boobs help hugs. They do. So they anyway, do. I'm working on that back to the love. Yeah. So uh, yeah, back to the counseling thing. I kind of decided that that's probably not what's best for me, but like a lot of young kids, you just go to school because you're supposed to, and because it's a dream. Right. Right. I mean, it's instilled in you from the yeah. time I think you start preschool. You're going to school so that you can go to college and you can yep. get this degree and blah, 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 blah. And then what do you do with your degree? A lot of people don't do anything yeah. with it. I mean, I learned a ton. I learned a lot of like just study skills and just put your nose to the grind to get it done. A lot of regurgitation, like a lot of ability to research. I think you've had those skills all your life though. And I think maybe Uh. you just tuned them up because I mean, even as a child listening to your stories and that, I mean, you were to the grind on how you did things in the place. 100 sit-ups hanging from the right. bunk bed every morning. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you already have that instilled in you. And I think a lot of that comes from your parents, though, too. You know, knowing your mom and dad, you know, they're very hardworking, you know. Yeah. My, oh, my God, my grandparents, the ranch that we, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, for sure. For so, sure. I think it was just maybe fine-tuning those skills, but you've but always had it. with college, I would not have been given the opportunities that I got in the prison system without that college d- degree, which is why I started working towards that, because every promotion that I looked at, you had to have at least an associate's degree. And then when I got to that level, it's like, oh, now you need to have a bachelor. Like, for example, the case management position, you had to have a bachelor's degree in order to get that. So... I got that as soon as I graduated, I applied for the next case management position. And because I had the experience I had, I was given the job, but I, ha- I would not have been given that job if I hadn't gone to college, which then that case management position led into training. Um, I became a training officer out there where uh, for the Department of Corrections as a whole. So at that time, I got to train staff in the women's prison, the men's prison, um, even our um, what do you call them? regional prisons that contract with us, the pre-release centers. I got to do um, new orientation. I, I, it was amazing. And that is where my life changed because I learned what I wish I would have known instead of being told to go to high school, I wish I would have been told to pick up a book on personal development because that is what changed everything in my life to get out of poverty, to get out of this, um, I guess, lack of abundance mindset, the, the whole... Um, you know, I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff exists anymore because of the personal health or the personal growth and development books that I learned while developing curriculum for the training courses that I was creating within the Department of Corrections. So, I mean, I read endless books on emotional intelligence, on leadership, on, I mean, just 
anything, anything you can imagine, I read books on in order to develop curriculum to teach back to other people. And then those concepts are further, you know, ingrained in your brain when you have to develop training activities. And then you have to, you know, work with people to teach them these skills that you just learned about. I mean, you got to put it into real action through all these different group group uh, training activities and such. It was life-changing for me. Wow. So that's kind of where everything kind of started. Then that's the seeds. To, yeah. to move and move and move and yeah. move forward. So Yeah, that's at that point I realized, I'm like, man, we are hiring contracted companies to come in and give training on topics that I can do the training for as an employee. Why are we having them come in and do this? Well, because it's nice to hear from outside entities. Well, could I be an outside entity? Could I develop my own training consulting company? And then I had imposter syndrome. I was like, Tracy, you are only like 25 years old. Who the hell is going to listen to you about leadership? You've got no leadership skills. You've only, you know, had a couple management. I mean, Arby's. Don't discount Arby's. That was (laughs) (laughs) at 16.50. You were the... Team yeah. manager? No, for the love. It was shift supervisor. Oh, sorry. Shift supervisor. <laughs> Stop minimizing my efforts. <laughs> but anyway, but you know what I mean. It's like it would be very hard to go in, and I, I thought you had to have a certificate. I thought you had to have a degree. I thought you had to have the Wizard of Oz granting this courage badge or this heart badge that's, you know what I'm saying, like hypothetically. Yeah. So you had that block. That degree. Of, in your mind of I have to be more than what – I already am in, in order, order to, to boom. Yeah. Something else. I mean, business owners don't go into business without a business degree, right? <laughs> yes, they do. All the time. <laughs> right. And But I didn't know this because I had been conditioned by society that you need a degree, that you need experience galore, that you need whatever. And was I ready at that time? Probably not. But that that began to open my eyes to wow, like there's different ways of doing things. And that's where my shift from an employee to entrepreneurism blossomed. But it took, I mean, what, 10 more years. Yeah. So that was my prison life. And that's, uh, (laughs) so yeah, it was 2013 when I finally paroled out because I got my next opportunity. And where did we go next? We went to the legislative audit division uh, in the Capitol building in Helena. Um, so I remember I had the best job. So I had, done, well, Jesus, that's not even, I skipped over a whole thing. So I was working as a, at the training, uh, Department of Corrections training staff. But from there, I got, I joined the military. I kind of forgot about that. I stuff. was wondering when you were going to bring that <laughs> up. Why did like, I forget that? Oh, where are we? So I, okay. So at this point, I, I now have grace. I've got three kids now. Yeah. So anybody out there that thinks like, oh my God, I've got, you know, people have their life together and you have to be this person. Like, no, I have two Uh, I have a lot of past relationships that I learned a ton from, and I have kids with two different dads. So my last relationship with my youngest daughter, Grace, um, her dad, we spiraled out of control, um, broke up, split, went separate ways, and I went into total survival mode. I was working at the Department of Corrections at the time, and I remember thinking, um, so I I actually lived in my car for a short time (coughs) after our breakup because I had nowhere to go, ended up getting into a place, got situated, and I remember thinking, I am never going to rely on another human being again, ever. Poverty is a very scary place, and it's the scariest thing I can ever imagine with three children depending upon you. So I I, I vowed to myself, I will never be alone again. I will never, ever be, like, relying on somebody else again. If I'm alone, that's fabulous, but I'm never going to rely on somebody else. Um, I got a cough. I'm sorry. (coughs) We don't edit, so you guys are going to have to listen to that. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, uh, I ended up looking at options on how I could become self-sufficient for life, and I found the military, and I thought, wow, I can get all of my, remember those student loans, like 100,000 yeah. of them? The Army offered the most in student loan repayment, and they also offered a $10,000 sign-on bonus. And I'm like, this is going to save me. This is going to save my kids. If I enlist and I do, you know, six years with the Army Reserves, I immediately will solve my current problems, which is $10,000 will put me back on my feet with my kids. We can get furniture. We can get debt paid off, et cetera, et cetera. Student loans, that's going to take six years, but it'll take off 30000 of my $100,000 in debt. Huge, right? Yeah. My payments would come down. So, and then I thought I could go the officer route from there, you know, continue you on. you have a degree. Got my degree. Yep. And so that's the path that I set out to do. Um, and I joined the Army Reserves. Went away to, to basic training, to AIT training, was gone for six months. And when I, while I was gone to... Um, AIT, I got a call from the Department of Corrections and they asked if I wanted to take over the Montana Law Enforcement Academy Detention and Correction Officer training program, which was literally the dream job. Like th that's a job that people get right before they retire because they've put in all this time, all this experience there. They're teaching every brand new officer that steps foot into this career three weeks worth of content on what they need to know to be successful in their career. And they want me to do this. And I'm 27 years old. So huge imposter syndrome, but <laughs> again, again, but I'm like, Oh my God, this has been this, this is like the best that I was over the top excited. So I said, absolutely. Of course I would love to do that. And so when I got out of uh, basic and AIT, I relocated to Helena cause she had to live there in order to, to teach the program. And I did that for just over a year but I couldn't afford to maintain living in Helena with Helena. my three kids. Yeah, it was it was too expensive. I had no help. I was paying more than one of my paychecks was going to daycare, and I wasn't. It just it just wasn't working. It was a dream job. So there was a new position that opened up back at the prison for STG. That's G, <laughs> security threat groups, and that was um, basically doing investigations and analysis for gang activity within the whole entire Department of Corrections. Oh. I loved it. It was something that I did when I was working in the admissions department and did all the tattoo analysis, et cetera. Uh, one of my mentors, I thought of him as a dad my entire career. His name was Dan Hess. He's the one that helped get me into that position. And um, I like, he, he's actually also the one that went to bat for me to get hired at the prison in the first place with no experience. He just has always been um, an amazing human being in my life. Like I love him so much anyway. So I got to work with him hand in hand and I did that for about two and a half years, which I would have stayed doing that forever. I would still be there right now because I loved that job so much, but I was making, you know, beans, right. um, just beans in comparison to what I could be doing. And I wasn't, and I remember sitting at my desk thinking, I'm never going to be able to take my kids. Like I had never been out of Montana with my kids, except to take my daughter to the Shriners in Spokane. Like how do you, how do people take their fucking kids on vacation? Vacations. And how vacations do you do it? are not cheap. School clothes. Like how do people afford more than three shirts and two pairs of jeans? And how do they actually afford a new pair of shoes every single year? Like I have no idea. How? Yeah. You were a single mom. You yep. were like same thing. Like you get it. Yep. And I'm like, I, I'm just not gonna settle for this anymore. So I started looking, even though my happiness was there and I loved that job. And then I got an opportunity to go to the legislative audit division in Helena 
back to Helena <laughs> in the Capitol building because they gave me a $7 an hour raise to be the training administrator for that division. Um, yeah, so I commuted back and forth because I still couldn't afford <laughs> to uh, live in Helena, so I drove back and forth from Helena. It's not a bad commute when the roads are good. It's actually a very nice commute. Mm-hmm. I did it um, for well over a year, mm-hmm. going back and forth, and um, it's it's nice. You yeah. Know? I mean, the you get your first hour to think about mm-hmm. your day, your last yeah. hour to debrief yourself before yep. you get home with the family, yeah. but when the roads are bad... Oof. It's a yeah. horrendous drive. I read or I listened to audiobooks back and forth. I was constantly filling my mind with just whatever I could for education, for self development type of stuff back and forth. But yeah, you're right. The stress, the just the time. I mean, I would do a ten hour shift there and then I'd have to drive. I mean, it'd be a twelve hour day, four yeah. or five days a week, and I'm like, Man, this is not helping my kids like at all. Like, right. What do you do? Um, so <laughs> the next step I got a an opportunity to work at town pump corporate as an HR investigator. And that at least brought me back to Butte and I was living and working in the same place. And I got this, I got great benefits and I thought, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a good opportunity because it's a huge company. I got to work salary. So I thought, you know, I'm always getting promoted because I get so much stuff done. And then they give you a pay raise of like 50 cents when you're a state employee and then they give you more responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this doesn't feel. They give you $5 feel... worth of responsibility for you. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> but in the corporate world, I'd always heard that's not true. You work salary. You can go home when you're done working. As long as all your work's done, you can go home. I could essentially work a 20-hour week. Yeah, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was naive. I didn't know. Um, but I expect you for 50 or 60 hours And that is what salary. happened. Yes. But I also, I learned more. I gained, I, I met a tremendous amount of people. I had this huge network and I got to learn about corporate world and it really shifted my brain from all of the very rigid black and white thinking that comes with being an employee, especially in a government entity. I, start to, I started to see how a business runs and operates, which is what Town Pump Corporate does. I'm like, wow, things move at lightning speed here because there's no bureaucracy. Like, wow. I didn't even know what bureaucracy was until I didn't have it. And then I'm like, this is what I just ask. And then all of a sudden I get and I can have to fill out five forms and then give your thumbprint and your firstborn child to get a pencil. Yes. (laughs) And that's when I opened up my eyes and I thought, wow, I could run a business. And so I started just kind of thinking about really opening my eyes to what entrepreneurship means, to what business ownership means, et cetera, et cetera. And then I had a, a coworker that said, um, hey, I'll be gone. You're covering for me for a couple of weeks. I said, oh, that's, that's sweet, dude. Where are you going? I'm going to Africa. And I literally said, who the fuck goes to Africa? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, not you. No, not me. You know, at this time, and by the way, I had taken my kids on a couple vacations, you know, small. Like we went to Silverwood. We went to Lagoon. We went to the Oregon coast. And I mean, it was once a year. It was super stressful, but we did it. So I was doing right. better. But still, you know, kind of making ends meet. Not still where you wanted to be. Yeah, no. I Like, my kids deserve more. I deserve more. Like, I I just got more. There's purpose in me. I'm supposed to be doing something else. So, anyway, I ask him, I'm like, who the fuck goes to Africa? And he says, well, me and my wife go. I'm like, well, oh, you don't have kids. That's how you do it. And he goes, no, my my wife's a real estate broker. And so, I I say, well, you don't make money in real estate, though. 
because I had already looked that up. I had because that was always a possibility from the first house that I bought when I was 18 years old. I thought this would be fun showing houses, looking at pretty things, and they don't do anything. <laughs> they don't do nothing they to just, make money. It's such a glamorous thing. But then I Googled it because Google knows everything, and it was like they made like thirty-two thousand dollars a year. And at that time, I was making more than double that. I'm like, well, you can't. So, so I didn't believe him. I'm like, oh, 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 because she's a broker because she owns a brokerage, that's how you guys go to Africa? And he kind of looked at me, he's like, he goes, girl, there's money to be made in real estate if you know how to do it. I'm like, oh, and he goes, you would actually be a really good fit for that. You should talk to my wife. And voila. Voila. Yep. That's how That's how I got into real estate. Long story. Long story, but I mean, so here you are now seven years later. Mm-hmm. You're yep. just... Hitting seven your, years later. your seven year, I think. Yep. November this month. Yeah. I just passed it. Nope. I'm almost there. I think, I don't know, November. Somewhere. Someday. 11th something. Yeah. Let's make days. it up. Yeah. Sounds good. Yep. Seven S- years. Seven years. So you were with another company. Mm-hmm. Yep. As just a salesperson for how long? For two years. Yep. I had a great mentor. She taught me a ton about the business. Um, she was very giving of her time and her knowledge. And again, I just felt like I wanted more and I was so busy in real estate. I had an assistant, but I mean, I, I took off. I, I was very blessed and fortunate by the relationships that I had created with all of these other jobs that I'd had and these very professional capacities that I just had people that came to me because they knew me through these other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did really well my first two years and I, I was so busy though, I needed to duplicate, replicate, replicate. Duplicate. Duplicate. That's kind of the same thing. I needed to replicate myself. I had an assistant, but they're limited in what they could do. And the one that I had that was working towards getting her license, she got her license and then she left because that's what they tend to do, except the good ones like you. (laughs) The Um, good ones that get their license and they're just like, no, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. So I'm just going to kind of chill, you know, do podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I just, I knew I wanted to start a team and I had talked to my broker at the time and I was like, how can we make this happen within your business structure? And she just kind of kept postponing, postponing, which I get as a business owner now, a, a broker owner now. Other agents' priorities may not be what I'm able to do right now, which is the position she was in. So I ended up leaving there and starting my own brokerage so that I could replicate what I had done and what I had created for systems, give it to somebody else, and pass off the business rather than trying to do it all and doing it poorly. So that's why I ended up creating a brokerage. And... That's where we are now. And that's where we are group. now. There's a group of 12 total with 11 licensed. 11 licensed. And yep. then a marketing goddess and you who is licensed and operating as a my assistant as and the office manager. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And we also have a <coughs> construction wing, with which is my husband's company. And then we have our properties, properties that we own, our property portfolio, where we are up to... I think 12 structures, Mm-mm. 11 structures. We're down. down. Oh, we, we just sold. sold. One. Oh, we're in the process of buying. Double digits. We're in double digits buildings yes. and doors. We're in the process of expanding as well through add value yeah. and actively trying to buy more. Buy more. That's buy, where buy, we're buy, at. Buy. Yep. Tracy says, I'm not going to buy, Jackie. Don't let me buy. And then she's like, come on, come look at this place with well, me. But and it's I'm so like, cute. I'm like, Tracy, how could we not buy this? Mm-hmm. So I got to pick a better accountability partner is what you're saying. Somebody that's actually going to tell me no. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. It's it's fun. 
Yeah, it is fun. So, where are you going now? Where am I going now? Um, that Besides is a great Costa question. Rica in two yes, weeks. going to Costa Rica. So yeah, back to those vacations. We that is one of our big passions. We like to travel as much as possible and get as much experience as we possibly can because those things um, are you know you can't take it with you, but it's something that you get to to have throughout the the rest of your life through memory. So yes, lots of travel. Going to Costa Rica in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're doing a ton of research for second homes. We're going to start research. We, we did Florida the last couple of years and the next couple upcoming years, we're going to research the deserty areas like Arizona. Florida. Yeah. Florida is out. Not enough outdoor recreation that I can do with my dogs. And people park their cars on their grass. Oh my God. So, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> we went and looked at property in Florida, Jackie and I, we were on this epic adventure to go pick up the Volkswagen we're bus. We're always on an epic adventure I know. <laughs> That's what's next to another podcast about epic event- adventures. There, there's that coming. Um, but yes, in Florida, yeah, we're down there and we were looking at these properties and like, uh, we, you knew you were in a bad neighborhood when there's six cars all on the lawn. I'm like, why are these people parking in the, right. on the lawn? But even some of the good neighborhoods, they were parked on the lawns. That's true. I get, yeah, you're right. Because in that, with all the new the new construction, yeah. there was people. Yeah, they I'm like, what is parked, this? They park on their lawns. And, it's weird. But then again, their streets are for just driving. They don't have what we could see, at least where we were Oh, like at. parking, you mean? They too? didn't have like off-street parking like we do. So maybe... But then again, their driveways wouldn't be full and they'd be parked on the lawn. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. It was odd. Yeah. So besides the weird parking also, just you couldn't, there's nothing I could do. With, remember, we went to the dog beach to check out the dog beach to see if I could see myself there with my beagles. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is terrible. Like my beagles. <laughs> no. But nope. Florida's out. And I remember coming home and telling poor Brandon because we were all, he was all envisioning himself with his little uh, furry butt in the sand and his feet I up. I too. What are you talking yeah, about? I know. <laughs> Like nope, I can't live in Florida. Let's try Arizona. So you that's are what a we're dream researching. Crusher. I am a dream crusher. Yeah. But Arizona is going to be amazing, or maybe it'll be Costa Rica. Who knows? Because we're going to do know. a little research there too. Oh, you might as well do it a little traveling around, and yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll actually meet someone down there that we can do a phone interview podcast. Oh, absolutely! I'm going to find three people. We're going to find three people to do podcast phone interviews with. All right. Yeah, because there's a lot of people down there that do that. And that's 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 what we're looking. We're looking to do snowboarding. So six months in Montana, because you can't beat Montana summers. No. Six months in somewhere else. Once Grace, the youngest child, graduates here in five years. Five years. That is what's next. Five-year plan. Five-year plan. Yep. And what happens between now and five years is still kind of up in the air. I'm still researching on what makes sense. But um, I'm a huge believer that you are here for a purpose and you're here for a reason and I 100% believe that I I have not fulfilled my purpose yet and I feel like real estate has been the financial means it came into my life so that I've got the financial means to do what my true purpose is and I don't know what that is yet it it, it, whatever it is it's going to be giving back and bettering the community and the world in some way shape or form Um, I've got a soft spot soft soft spot for women I have a soft spot for um inmates still a little mm-hmm. bit like just people that didn't get the same because I, I could be that same person right I really and you, could and you got to see you got to see both sides of what it's like inside the prison yes. I mean you got to see the ones that are there and will continuously come back after they're released but you also got to see the ones that mm-hmm. and they screwed up yep 
and they're remorseful, they're regretful, and they they're there for change life. Change their lives, mm-hmm. and so if they do get to get out, you know, you got to see that there is still good in people that have yes. done bad. Yeah, the majority of the people that were in prison did a series of bad things, right? But they're still good people. They just don't have the life skills that I was blessed to learn. Like I was on a bad path. I was in a bad position. I was, I had, I mean, I partied too much, drank too much, made terrible financial decisions. I mean, I had a 300 credit score. Like I was in a horrible position and had I not been given the opportunity, yes, I made some good choices too that led that direction. But I also was in a, in an environment that helped me grow personally that sent me down the other direction. So I, I, I just have a soft spot for people that just don't know what they don't know yet. Right. And that's soft skills, just all of those emotional intelligence and those things that it takes most people a whole lifetime to learn. Yeah. And these people that are in these bad environments and they don't have those skills, it's, man, they just, the world stacked against them. Yep. And it just continues to cycle mm-hmm. and cycle and cycle until someone breaks that cycle and they yes. Yep. So yeah, so that's what's next. Whatever that may be, I'm still searching for some purpose and looking for some inspiration. But you're doing some other things right now still. I mean, you're kind of, we're, we're moving into our slow season of real estate. Yep. Hallelujah. Yep. Very grateful. Because it's kind of nice. Yep. COVID the was past, hell. The past two years has been nonstop, non-stop. really. Yep. Burnout, um, burnout, burnout. Not a lot of time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Even trying to travel or go on vacations for both of us. Right. Because... If I'm not here, then mm-hmm. I mean you're doubled up, and it, yep. it, it's 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 impossible to do both jobs at once. Yes. So we're we're thankful for both jobs. We have like four. Well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. The multitudes anyway. of jobs yes. that come with it, <laughs> and then plus if we're traveling, then that means usually Brandon's with us mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Brandon, of course, is her husband. Yep. Um. So then, not only is someone not here for the brokerage, mm-hmm. someone's not here for the construction company, yes, and or for the properties, right? So very hard to do anything when we're busy. So right. we're both getting a little bit of downtime, yeah, a little bit of rejuvenation. And yeah. I, winter, I learned about seasons in the last couple months, just like masculine and feminine energy. And this, we're moving into like the season of winter, mm-hmm. and winter is all about hibernating and rejuvenating and letting. And I'm all. planning on hibernating. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm aware. And that's fine. You should. It's uh, But yeah, you know, you just kind of, this is like transformative time where you just sit back, you reflect, you're, you get time to be grateful and to really just look back on all of the amazing things that have been accomplished. Look at all of the obstacles that have been conquered and look forward to like, what does the world need now? What does, what is my purpose now? What is, what could we do better from previous seasons, whatever it may be. And winter is just a time of transformation and growth. And we don't know what's going to blossom yet, though. But you're kind of blossoming in a different area, though, too. Which is? <laughs> doing some writing. Yes. Yep. I kind of forgot to talk about that. I have not been working on it much the last two weeks, full confession. But yes, um, as a child, I have always been very interested in writing and um, just creating an imagination. I told you I had imagination as big as as the sky. And, and that's never changed for you. No, never. It's just how it comes out in creative. Like this, this right here, this podcast is a creative outlet for me. It's just a way to be true and authentic and give to the world in this just create in the creative side of my brain instead of mm-hmm. the 
productive, masculine, do, do, do side. It's just, this is just kind of fun, right? And this is like your, this is a downtime for you. Totally. I get to like just chill with people and drink wine and have good talks and maybe people get value out of it. Maybe they don't, you know, it's, but it's, it's a little bit, it's fun. It's just fun and lighthearted and and writing is the same way for me. So I'm, I'm working on, I've got a full outline for a nonfiction book, which is a lot of what I've talked about on this podcast, just kind of life lessons throughout. It's an outline. It feels too much like work right now. So I have not gone past outlining it. The other book that I've been working on that I'm into is I'm only 15,000 words, eight, nine chapters into, and that's a nonfiction book, which is all fun and, uh, I've gotten to read some of it. (laughs) I'm ready for her to get back to writing it is phenomenal um It'll be fun yeah so i'm i'm super excited for you to get back yeah. into into doing the writing um you have an amazing brain when it comes oh, to writing geez, and thank you. well and just i mean you're so good at it. you know when you're sitting there writing it you can really close your eyes and really you can envision the pictures and stuff like that so it's really I'm excited. So get back to doing it. I will. I will. It's, it's a a firm believer and I'm doing some coaching right now. I'm actually being coached on how to rest and how to be okay with this transformative winter time. Cause I literally need somebody to uh, walk me through how that, how that goes. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's hard. (laughs) How many, I bet you there's not too many people out there that can say, oh, I need to be coached how to rest. No, you, you'll be surprised how many people. This, this woman makes her entire career, her whole living off of people like me that don't know how to rest. It's Not I. I know how <laughs> to get the rest in. Well, yeah, we're just like type A, hard driving, just accomplishment driven, like nothing in life makes me more happy than productivity and accomplishment and just creating and doing but the the downside to that is that you just you burn out and but relaxing is productivity too right in a different way Ex- that is winter that is what I'm talking about yeah. it is necessary and I do not know how to do it I'm I'm getting better I'm getting definitely better but what what I'm experiencing right now is that I I rest and I, I I'm I'm doing that and then I feel better, and then I go back to 100 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden all that energy is gone again because I'm not healed from this burnout. So I don't know how to commit to staying rested enough to be able to actually be fully Let me put you under my wings, my little one. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Let me show you how this works. Yeah. So what what I'm learning to do is put some things down that no longer serve me, and it's very difficult to let go of things that you attach your identity to that you're so proud of, that you have worked so hard to create. Yeah. But the world, the universe, everybody knows that that no longer serves me and that my purpose in life is to do the next thing. And so I'm just kind of waiting to see what the next thing is. And when the time comes, I will set down what needs to be set down in order to do the next thing that the world is calling me to to do. Perfect. Yeah. That's where we're at. <laughs> and then... New podcast coming too? Yes. So that's that's being formulated in our little brains right now. Jackie and I, uh, Jackie and I, you are sitting right there. So you and I had talked about creating something that was a little bit more informal and fun and just the two of us. So we're, yeah. we're putting together some ideas to 
I don't know, some very random, adventurous, experimental things and then bringing the world into it to we do do a lot of random we do we do do a lot and we have a lot of fun with it so the podcast we have not put together yet but it's going to be something along those lines it'll be a lot more entertainment yeah and yeah just fun because the world needs more fun in it i think after the last three years too (laughs) we're just you know just random day-to-day kind of life yeah the fun side of it. I'm so sick of hearing the, the, the downside of everything. There's so no. much doom and gloom. We just need a little more. And we have fun. We, so much fun. It's a core value. We not, have fun. Not only are we boss employee, mm-hmm. we're very, very great friends. Yes, very great um, friends. We kind, of, we kind of live each other's lives through each other mm-hmm. in some weird way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like we, the new adventures. Like tomorrow we're going to intuitive what the hell are, what did you we're sign going me up to our for intuitive circle intuitive circle where we do so you can learn to open your mind third eye shit and chakras <laughs> and all this stuff so yeah that's what the, that's what the podcast is gearing towards some of the new yeah. stuff out there i mean we might go to cooking classes we might go to good lord painting classes we may bungee jump like who knows what it is but it's gonna be you really think i'm gonna new. bungee jump if the podcast calls for it you betcha. And maybe listeners will just tell us what we're going to do. We don't know. Do you remember when we were in Florida and you tried to get me to go on the roller coaster? <laughs> Wimpo! Didn't happen. She left me at sure. the top of like 250 foot high roller coaster and made me go all by myself. Sure and she did. did the walk of shame down and she had zero shame. She was like, <laughs> she goes, whatsoever. bye Felicia, I'm out. Fuck as y'all. I, as I shook said. all the way down the damn <laughs> stairs because you got me that far up there. Bitch left me at the top. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know what? If the podcast calls for that experiment, you got to do it. And if not, we're you're gonna have to live it, and we're gonna tell everybody, and you're gonna have to do the walk of shame on the podcast. I don't have a problem with the walk of shame. Just remember that. <laughs> Ten four. <laughs> All right. So now you guys know Tracy a little bit more, yeah. um, and you know some of her new adventures coming this way. Yeah. That's your host, giving the old 411 on the, the old background scenes. We do talk a little bit about um, all these things, and I, I figure I probably better throw it out there what makes me qualified as your host on this fun little show about people that live vicarious lives. And, um, yeah, that's where that's at. So maybe we'll have to interview Jackie here in a, another couple episodes and get a little background on her as well. Ooh. What you say? That's interesting. <laughs> My life is a book. Well, we might just have to read it. Until then... Thanks for joining us, and we're going to clock out.